And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it Marcus Smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> Aziz. Hey, Jay, I, I see you, player. Shit. Welcome to LA Tigers Portable, Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. That's right, Jay King, everyone. And we are a week away from Celtics basketball returning with a preseason game. I don't remember who they're going to play. It's either the Sixers or the Nets, but it's happening next Wednesday. We are officially in training camp mode, and Jay, it's been a thrilling couple of Zoom calls, let me tell you. I mean, Carson Edwards spoke. He's talking about really working to be ready. You made sure people tweeted out. You, you tweeted out that quote. You, you've been on it. Carson, so just- Carson was in my likes snooping around, and or in my mentions snooping around, liking a lot of hate for him. He, he was Ooh, in there liking some hate. I, I don't know whether that means he's vindictive. He might be on on a vengeful vengeance tour this year. So watch out. Carson Edwards is taking your hate. He's bottling it up and he's coming after all of you motherfuckers. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, is there anything else? I'm trying to think. I've watched most of these Zoom press conferences. Uh Time Lord spoke today. He's just an interesting guy, but uh he didn't really say anything that fascinating. Um I'm trying to think who else talked. Aaron Neesmith Nothing of huge note came out. It was pretty much just all cliches. It's it's hard to cover a training camp when you're not there. And in the Celtics case, like so things are either either not decided at all, like who's gonna be their backup wings, or they're totally decided like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart are going to play huge roles, especially while Kemba Walker's out. So it's it's kind of hard to understand or to realize what exactly is going on. I'm excited for games to actually be played so we can know what the hell is happening. So because we don't know what's going on and there's no hot storylines, we turn to the people out there. 
to ask us all of their burning questions in the classic potable mailbag. We got a lot of them today. There's a central theme, I would say. Uh, maybe it's just because Time Lord spoke today, but a lot of big man questions. And so I think we should just dive right in. First off, from Eddie FB, my mainest man, Truth Faustino. Do you think Rob earns more time, it's being Time Lord, in camp and preseason with Tristan Thompson working his way back? That's the other thing about this training camp is Kemba's hurt, Tristan Thompson's hurt. You're not going to get a real sense of the starters uh, with that happening. But what do you think uh, Time Lord's going to be able to do with, I guess, more of an opportunity with the second unit? Yeah, and I don't know how long Tristan Thompson will end up being out of the lineup. He could be totally fine by opening night. And he's he's a veteran. Like, even though he is a newcomer, like, he's a guy who will probably pick things up quickly and probably won't need too much of a uh, – like learning curve. I'm I'm just intrigued by T- Robert Williams' situation. I I want to see if the Celtics what they plan for him because I do think Tyson Thompson will end up playing a lot of minutes, and I don't know where that leaves Robert Williams. And he's okay, very, say you're playing intriguing, but he's going to have to really earn minutes this year. Whereas last year it was like there are some matchups and his Cantor can't play. So they had to kind of groom Robert Williams to be ready. It's not like that anymore. Okay, say you're playing NBA 2K and you're the Celtics GM and you're setting the rotation minutes. Are you just going a hard 24 and 24 with Tice and Tristan Thompson? This is actually a question from Sawyer Snope. Um, who, where do you think these minutes are going to go to? Because as Time Lord get like a stretch of like six minutes every like a chance in the third quarter, how much time or opportunity to give him to actually come make an impact. Uh, and does he kind of need to prove himself if Tristan Thompson's out early? I don't even know if that's actually going to happen, but like how much of a chance are you giving him when you have two competent centers who can't really play any other position? I think that's a question um, that will be pretty important. And do the, Celtics, something, Jay. do the Celtics want to commit regular minutes to Robert Williams? I think it will show a lot about how the organization values him long-term. I think it could say a lot that they went out and acquired Tristan Thompson because that didn't show a ton of faith that Robert Williams could be the backup center or that they thought Robert Williams could be the backup center this year. And like, I think it would be very easy for Brad Stevens to just play Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice just split those minutes between them. They're both matchup proof. They can play against anyone. And and the only if Robert Williams is the third best center, the value in playing him would be to develop him and groom him. And but I, I think I think this is a prove it year for him. I, I really do because they obviously decided that they needed two established veteran centers. And he appears to be the third on the depth chart. And and he needs to prove that he's ready for minutes. I, I think they'll he'll end up playing like 10 to 15 minutes a game. Uh, I think it would help to limit minutes for the veteran guys who you know what you're getting. And I think they'll have some injuries, whatever, along the way that'll clear some playing time for him and clear some opportunities. But I, I do think like this is it's kind of a prove it year for him. Are there any matchups that you can think of that are best for Robert Williams? I think we were talking about it last week. Um, Mark with Gasol. Justin. 
Well, yeah, Marcus Saul is utterly trash, and I can't believe he got. I disagree. Any money. He Man's was awful. He was a genius, and he was no not good at all against the Celtics in the playoffs. But Tristan Thompson's not like a like. He's only six nine. He's not a necessary like protect the rim kind of guy. He's not going to get as many blocks. Are there certain matchups you think where it's like hmm, maybe we'll give Time Lord a little second minute like a second half run here or just. Anywhere where he can kind of – he's probably best against any other guys. Because I – he's not really great at defending super big people. Like Joel Embiid, I don't see him being able to, like, slow him down. But I don't know, like, where his value is in terms of uh, trying to take away what the other team does best. He can run and he can jump and he can block shots and he can get steals. And everything else is a question mark. So he just needs to be more solid. I don't think it's necessarily, like – where does he fit matchup wise? Because I think Tyson Thompson are like, they can kind of handle any matchup. It's not like Cantor where there were matchups. He just was not going to be able to play. And like the Celtics, when they played the Rockets or when they played the Raptors, they just knew playing Ennis Cantor was going to be an issue and they don't have that this year. So Robert Williams, like he's not an, an upgrade, like moving his feet wise compared to either of the centers they have in front of him. He's going to need to more just, like an above the rim positionally. Thread. Yeah, that that that's where he would be useful is if if they can take advantage of that and leverage that, and he can be a really good defensive or good offensive center. And obviously, he's a big steal and block guy, but it's it's the the kind of lack of attention to detail. And well, that's like, actually one of the next questions from M. Mac Lee. Can you share your observations on how specifically? Time Lord tends to get lost on defensive possessions and whether it's something he can improve upon with reps or more of a just a, like this guy doesn't have it. I mean, it can be sometimes jumping when he shouldn't jump. It can be. It's a lot of like decision-making, like not switching on the right guy when, or just, and that's what's interesting about his, like his press conference today. The first thing he was talking about his effort was like trying to be out there and being a communicator and really talking up his communication skills. And I'm sure that's something that the coaches have been talking to him about. But he's been he's communicating about his good communication. And he's doing the heck of a job of it. If he's only doing the same thing out there on the court, then I think he's gonna succeed. But I don't know. I I have no way of trying to evaluate whether or not he has it or not. It's like how do you evaluate decision making or it's something that you probably think would improve just with more experience, but there's just more times where it's just not being in the right place uh, defensively or reading the reading what's happening and making the right reaction. Yeah, and one of the stats that stood out to me from last year was, and I, I could be saying this wrong, I haven't looked at it in a while, but when he was on the court, they had the equivalent of the last ranked um, defensive rebounding percentage, I think, in the league, which... That's surprising. Which is just kind of, I think... A, a factor of him being out of position. I'm going to check that stat just to make sure I'm not just bullshitting. Um, I believed but, you, so it doesn't matter. We're going to continue on as if it's true. If it's a lie, we fight on that lie. But yeah, no, you can you can you just imagine from his love of jumping that he's going to, if the shot's going up, he's doing his best to block it, and that doesn't really set him up to be in the best boxing out, grabbing the defensive board position. Where do you stand on Robert Williams heading into this season? I think you have to give him a shot. I don't know. I the Tyson Time Lord, I mean say something concrete. 
Yeah, no, I, I realized that. As, I realized that as soon as you had turned the question back on me. I think you have to give him some opportunity. I think he's your best like pick and roll and actually like rolling to the rim guy. I don't know if Tristan Thompson seen highlights of him like catching alley oops, but he's just he's still six nine. He's not a big dude. Time Lord is really someone you can at, like just kind of throw it up there with reckless abandon. He attacks uh, the rim in a way that no one else on the team can. And so I think if Time Lord he can't have the defensive mistakes, I think he's gonna like he's pretty capable. I think if he's going to make an impact, it's going to be like a change the energy of the game off the bench guy with your offense. Dime Lord has to come back and he needs not to be scared of the ball when he gets it in the backcourt. But I think he needs to make his impact on the offensive end. I just think the Celtics are going to have less of um, offensive punch, just not having Hayward. I think the bench is going to need something. I thought he gave some good energy minutes in the Raptors series. Like he definitely kind of, just turned the energy of the game, even though you're not supposed to believe in energy or momentum. But I thought he did some good job of just like doing that. And oh, I believe in energy. And Marcus Smart just loves throwing up lobs to him. Marcus Smart, anytime he enters the game with Robert Williams, is basically looking to give him a lob. I think that's where uh, Time Lord makes his bones this year is just trying to be more of a, a lob threat, just an attack the rim guy. Because I think the Celtics defense is going to be there. Uh, you don't necessarily need him on the defensive end, even though he's like known for his blocks. I think he does much more for you as just a, a dynamic, something that's in, that's different than what Tristan Thompson does. Tristan Thompson is going to be a pick and roll big, but that's more of a decision-making playmaking. You're not just like throwing it up to him for pure athleticism. Yeah. And I also think you need to find out what, what you have in Robert Williams. I'm not sure the Celtics know at this stage, he had a, a lot of injuries last year. He came back after the hiatus and actually looked pretty good in the bubble and had some moments during the playoffs when he was really impressive. And it, it was never like sustained for his entire time on the court. There were stretches of that Toronto series where all the Raptors had to do, cooked him. All the Raptors had to do sometimes when he was on the court was just like run a pick and pop and get a wide open three. Serge Ibaka three times a game. But you know. I, I do think like there's there's something to finding out what you have in him, good or bad, this season. And I think that's going to be tough because Tyson Thompson will be taking up a lot of the minutes. Well, this goes to Jason Jacobson's question. Jason Jacobson, 33. Why spend the full mid-level exception on Tristan Thompson when you have Tice and you have Time Lord? Wouldn't a veteran wing, another guard, have made more sense with that money, particularly – with Kemba's injury. So I guess the question is given you want to find out what you have in time Lord, does it make sense to bring in a guy for the full left mid level? So 9.3, they could have spread that out and gotten more guys on the wing. Do you think it makes sense to bring in someone like Thompson? Uh, yeah. Well, I think part of that was Danny Ainge has said that the Celtics goal was to bring back Gordon Hayward. And he didn't decide until a lot of wings had already chosen their next team. And I think when you look at the market at the time Hayward left, then there weren't a ton of like really difference making wings out there on the market. And, and Tristan Thompson, like he will be a difference maker for the Celtics. I think he fits really well what they needed. Um, I think, He'll be an upgrade for them for sure over what Ennis Cantor provided. And I do think it's a downside that he plays the same position as one of the most interesting prospects on this long-term prospects on the Celtics roster. 
but I just don't know if there was like a wing out there that they could have targeted at that stage that would have made a huge difference. There's no other signings out and there. I, you're like, I'm, oh. I'm assuming that until that point, they were still holding out at least some hope that Gordon Hayward could go back to Boston. And, or they would get a sign and trade with Indiana, like, and they were targeting wings in that. There's no signing that happened that was like, damn, I really, the Celtics missed out on not getting that guy for the mid-level. And so, who knows? Uh, but they definitely are weak on the wing. We saw Aaron Neesmith talk today. Brad, hold Stevens. on, hold on. I I found the stat. Let's hear the stat. Charlotte Hornets' defensive rebound rate was the worst in the league at seventy point six percent. With Robert Williams on the court, the Celtics defensive rebounded sixty five point three percent of possible rebounds. So they Not were way. Way worse than league worst when Robert Williams is on the court. That where and did I, you have that stat like buried in your brain? You just uh, had been doing some Robert Williams piece before, and you just yeah, remembered that I, one. I don't know when I when I pulled that one out, but it's it stuck sticks. It's stuck, and uh, yeah, I mean that's pretty substantially worse than than league worst. So might need to improve that. Might be something needs to work yeah. on. Maybe his communication Product will of uh, positioning help that out. All right, speaking of being weak on the wing, uh, a lot of Aaron Neesmith talk today. He got asked if he's been can adjust to the three-pointer at the NBA level. Uh, he seemed pretty confident in that. He's a sniper. But this is from Eric J. Saint. Who will be a dark – it says dark house candidate, uh, but I think it should be dark I like horse, dark house candidate. But dark house candidate to step into the rotation and why Javante Green? Ooh. <laughs> We've not heard, said Javante's name once this offseason. So we I really like haven't said Javante's He's name. He's a dark once. house candidate. He is. He might be the dark house candidate of all dark house candidates. Do you think he has, like, gets any minutes? Like, he had, he, he locked up Terrence Ross for 25 minutes Orlando, but I don't remember him getting extended run for any other games last season. I, I do remember he shut him. down Terrence Ross. He did he did shut down Terrence Ross. They sicked him on Terrence Ross, and Terrence Ross didn't have a chance. I do remember him having a flurry of three pointers in the bubble. I think it was that totally meaningless game against Washington. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and then he had knee surgery and had to leave the bubble. I think he had knee surgery, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like he was at the games at towards the end. Yeah, he, he came back. Um, I haven't really – the backup wings, they're all like – like Shemi Ojale, we know what he's going to do. We know the limitations he has. We know that he's become a better shooter. We know he'll be a solid defender. Javante Green is kind of a wild card. I didn't think – coming into things that he really had any chance of getting a roster spot but now they only have 14 other guys with guaranteed deals his deal is non-guaranteed so there's not a hundred percent chance he makes a team but i mean they have a spot they have they a don't dude have any with, as many guys so there's like no reason to really cut them they have a dude with hyper athleticism um can jump as long as the wind blows you know what I'm, you know what i mean there yeah, so it would, <laughs> it would be interesting. It would be interesting. And I think, I mean, some of the other candidates for those spots are Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, who's going to be out for a while. Like, there are so many minutes to grab on that Celtics perimeter. Why not Javante? 
Why not the dark house candidate of all dark or dark house candidates? Well, let's talk about it because Aaron Neesmith has been talked about today. Brad, Brad was talking. He's like doing great things, but he wasn't ready to like guarantee him a rotation spot. But Semi Ojale, you mentioned you know what you're going to do. Can knock down a corner three sometimes. Solid defense. I can see situations where Brad inserts him into the game because he just wants something. He misses Wanamaker. He wants his something solid, sturdy, reliable. Neesmith just gives that shooting potential and can stretch, like, space the floor. He's a rookie, top draft pick. You want to give him a chance. What is the situation for Javante to enter the game? Is it just when they need another lockdown defender? Is is that, that's how he gets his way out of the court, just, like, defending guards? Where He's, he's a freak. And I there's something to be said for having freak athletes out there. Like, let's say they throw out a Kemba, Jeff Teague, Javante, Jalen group. Oh, this is a perfect, perfect leading question to the next That's question. The freakiest of the freaks. I, I'm, I'm really talking myself into the dark house candidate right now. Freaks come out at night, and that's what uh, fake history was asking. What is the wildest lineup that we could see this season? The wildest lineup? I mean, um, you could go with freakiest. You, any real adjective uh, to describe something that's out of the norm. Bizarre. How Marcus. many bigs? How many bigs do you think you could get in the lineup? Do you think you could see three bigs, or do you think they could go to like four guards? Because you know Brad loves those three guards lineups. So I could see Peyton Pritchard, Jeff Teague, Kemba. No, Marcus I don't, Smart. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. Like, could could they go hyper small, or could you get a that's Tice, way too freaking small? What could you get a Tice uh, Grant Williams? Could you get a Grant Williams at the three ever? What's the craziest thing you could actually envision happening out there? Uh, see, I, I miss the days of, of like garbage time, Vincent Poirier and Taco Fall. Those were good days. Those were really good. Yeah, days. For, for Vincent Poirier, they weren't the best days. Taco Fall of garbage time is still going to be there. It's just going to be so weird to have Taco come into the game and not have 17,000 people just chanting his name, but he still will get an opportunity. He still is the Geno time. I don't know. Brad loves three guard lineups, but it's like I think the most you're going to get would be Kemba Teague and Marcus Smart. I don't think you can pivot Marcus Smart up that high. Yeah, they don't have like any crazy, crazy lineup potential. I I don't know. I don't. We'll find out. I I am intrigued by Kemba and Teague though in the backcourt because the Celtics really haven't had two break you down with the dribble point guards. Like, when's the last time they had two of those guys? And I know Marcus Smart can play point guard, and I know he's a really good passer, and I know that. But he's not like a just penetrate and beat the guy in front of him, dynamic creator type of guy. I think Kemba and Teague could be fun, like sort of like Oklahoma City last year when they went with, like, Schroeder and Shea Gilgis and Chris Paul. Like, those guys were really tough to guard because they could just all get by you. And Brad talked about it recently. He likes multiple playmakers in a lineup, multiple guys who can do it. He's been trying out three-guard lineups uh, pretty much his entire time, but a lot, most of them have been, like, shooting guards or, like, a lot of Avery Bradley lineups. But if having two guys who are really playmakers, facilitators, guys who can get you off the dribble, I don't know if Teague is still there as, like, I don't know. I'm very curious to see what level Jeff Teague is at coming into the season because he was an all-star. He was an NBA starter for a long time, but I just don't know if he's like 
going to be as effective or maybe it being in the back like is it problematic that he was like he was a starter in uh minnesota right and then he got traded and became a backup to trey young and immediately just was worse should, should i be reading too much into that why but he can't adjust to being a backup player uh, yeah but it might have just been that he couldn't adjust to playing with shitty players in a shitty situation with little hope and being behind a young guy and often playing alongside Trey Young. I, I do think that the the defensive potential, there's some downside potential if Kemba and Teague do play much together. Um, and I also think Teague's not like a classic off-ball fit because he's not a good catch-and-shoot guy at all and very reluctant shooter. So... It would be weird, but I kind of like it. Yeah, no, I I think it's definitely we're gonna and see I, some I think, of it. I think Teague will surprise you because he can still get by guys. He can still get by guys for sure. I think we're gonna see a little bit of Peyton Pritchard in those uh, multiple guard lineups. We'll see what uh, he's able to do. Um, this question's from Michael Nye. What kind of minutes restrictions or DNP rests do you anticipate to see players receiving over the first half of the season? Like how much? It's a pretty frantic schedule. The schedule came out. We'll be talk, discussing it uh, with John Corrales later in the week. We'll be picking every single game as we do every year. But what do you think rest is going to be? Uh, how much do you think it's going to impact the Celtics uh, with a shortened or more condensed schedule? I mean, everyone will be like that. And I, I know it hurts them as much as anybody because Kemba could have used more time to rest that knee. But everybody's screwed with this. with this. Like it's it's not like it, there's any team out there um, that has like fewer games. And I, I think in in a normal year, like a lot of the time, guys played for their the better players played for their national teams over the off season and didn't have as much of an off season as a lot of different guys. So I'm I'm kind of on team suck team it up overrated in regards to the the scheduling difficulties. Um, but obviously for a guy like Kemba, like it's a real, real issue. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing is that it feels like Kemba is likely not to play back-to-backs. How does that impact their roster when he's not in the game? Do, does Jeff Teague still have it? Who steps up? But I think beyond – I think because Kemba's a major piece, it might affect the Celtics more, but I don't think it's going to like disproportionately hurt them in terms of the entire team. Like I assume a lot of guys will take rests, um, but – every other team has to kind of play the same way. And they're young, so it's not like they'll have to do a ton of load management with a lot of their guys. Um, so I, I don't see it being like a huge, huge issue other than the Kemba factor. It's from Towns, Dylan, Dylan, and Towns. Hello. Without Gordon's playmaking and Kemba being out for a while, could the offense become stagnant and ISO heavy? We saw – some glimpses of this Jason Tatum at the end of kind of games at the end of the playoffs. Is this offense going to become crap without Kemba and Gordo? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I I don't think it'll be crap. Anytime you have Jason Tatum on the court, you're going to score. Like The Jason Tatum and bench lineups last year were awesome just because Tatum by himself basically gives you a baseline for how bad your offense can be and that's usually pretty good um but i i do i do think they'll miss the playmaking that kemba brought and the playmaking that hayward brought those two guys are two of their better passers the celtics aren't a great passing team and and especially without those two guys like Jason Tatum's going to need to step up. Marcus Smart's going to need to step up. I think Jalen Brown's going to have to become a little bit more of a playmaker. I think the thing you worry about is the uh, what do you do when Tatum's not on the court, especially early on when Kemba's not there, because Jason Tatum and the bench is good, but is Jason or is the bench and not Jason Tatum good? I don't think so at this point. Uh, what about Jalen Brown and the bench? Could that that was not great last year. Jalen Brown was never really a guy who can control the offense on his own or be like the focus of the offense. Jalen Brown in the bench. Now that comes back to the questions about Teague. I'm a little bit more optimistic about that, but I think it's also interesting. Where do you put in? What like, who's your pat backup? Green, the dark house is in there. Then you might be having some freak stuff going on. But if you're going to the bench. Say Grant Williams is starting, which I think he's going to start. It's going to be very interesting to who plays the backup power forward, even though if there's not really that position. Because who are the power forwards on this roster right now? I guess I think you would include Jason Tatum on there just because of his size. And I think he's your... Jalen Brown was probably the power forward a lot of the time last year. So who's the backup power forward? I think if you're three power forwards, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Grant Williams are starting, who's... When you when you're saying Jeff T, Jalen Brown, and the bench, who are your bigs? Tristan Thompson. Who are all? Who are all still out on the court right there? Maybe that's where the funky lineups come in. Brad that's where the dark throw, house comes. No, in. they they won't they won't go to two bigs very often. I don't like they they've basically eliminated. But they don't have any wings. They don't. They don't. So they, who's who's playing forward when? J, do they have to play Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum forty eight minutes of every game? Like, are there going to be times when those two are not are both on the bench? Smith, backup power forward. I, Marcus Smart? Throw Always a good answer. Always a good answer. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously their their backup wing situation is is yuck. Shemi Ojale. Don't, don't, we're sleeping on Shemi Ojale. He's a totally fine. Hand up. Hand up. That's on me. Forward. I forgot about Shemi. He's a classic backup four. He can knock down the three. Um, solid defender. It's my bad. I messed up, Shemmy. Um, this question's from Mike Chinsolo. Would Larry Bird average 35 points a game in today's NBA with no hand checks? And would he shoot 45% from three? I wrote a story about that last year. And I talked to a bunch of Larry Bird's old teammates about how awesome he would be. And I think one of the quotes, it was something like, 
he'd be Dirk Nowitzki times two or something like that. Which, <laughs> he'd be which a Hall of Fame champion good. times two, MVP times two. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to find the exact quote because I, I might have botched it. Um, but his, his old teammates were all pretty convinced that he would have been an MVP candidate or an MVP and would have just roasted everyone with three-pointers all day long. So I think he would could have shot 45% from three. I don't think he got could have gotten 35 points a game. But that's just because of the way Larry Bird played. I feel like he was – my favorite thing to do is to watch Larry Bird uh, assist highlight compilations. That guy loved passing the basketball. He loved making the right basketball play. I don't see him going up there and chucking. I think if he's getting extra attention, Larry Bird's passing the ball. He's absolutely going to be the MVP, but I don't see him going for 35 every night. I think it would be a solid 28-30. Uh, he could definitely get buckets, and his emphasis on the three would be good, but I think he's not – if he's getting all the defensive attention, he's finding a way to get his teammates the ball. Gary Seachting told me he would be Dirk Nowitzki times two. <laughs> Rick Carlisle told me it would be a feeding frenzy for him. I could just tell you that for sure. I mean, it's pre- Larry would have feasted. He would have had some trouble with the defense, the athleticism. But well, one thing this 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 was crazy. Uh, while I was reporting that story, Jerry Seesting reminded me like they couldn't really practice threes like they would now. Because they didn't have guys to rebound for them. Like like now, players have a guy to rebound for them, a guy to pass to them. They can get up a ton of shots. It's a three- or four-man system. Back then, they were tracking down their own misses. And, <laughs> like, it, That's a, wild to think about. We didn't practice that because it was just way inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, that would be – yeah, Danny Ainge told me that Larry would have shot nine or ten threes a game and shot them at a very, very high clip. I mean, it would have been a joke. It would have been a joke. He would have scored all the time. He would have racked up tons of assists. He would have been one of the best players ever, which he already is. Yeah, but I don't know how if he if he didn't shovel out his own garage. What did he do with his own driveway where he, like, retarded or something and, like, ruined his back forever? I think the physicalness of the modern game might have gotten to uh, to Larry Bird. I don't want to slander the man, but uh, he wasn't the most athletic of individuals. Uh, Rod Racks. This country came out of nowhere. Favorite country and favorite flag. But he spells favorite F-A-V-O-U-R-I-T. So he's uh, from England or Australia or somewhere else. But what is your favorite country, Jay? And what is your favorite flag? The United States and the freak flag. <laughs> that is gross. Uh, flag football. I don't know how favorite country, but I'm going to go with New Zealand. They seem to be fun. And uh, favorite flag. What a weird uh, question that was. I know. I, I just uh, didn't really know what to do with it. I don't really have a favorite flag. Uh, so I have two. I'm going to go with the freak flag. We are officially a freak flag podcast. <laughs> Um, this is from Wonderbread Shane Wonderly 10. Which NBA superstar does Jay King think he could whoop their ass in boxing? Asking because he thinks Floyd Mayweather is possible. Please gotta be a explain yourself to the people. It's got to be a superstar? NBA superstar. Now, for those who don't know, Jay on Basketball Buds 
claimed he could uh, knock out Floyd Mayweather because he used to be come to Celtics games and he would walk by him and be like, wow, Floyd's pretty small. I, I claim that I used to think that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, he I did. He did. Floyd Mayweather. So is there and, any NBA superstar who you used to think you could knock out in no. boxing? No. Oh, that's stupid. There's some NBA superstars I think I can knock out. Who who would you knock out? Kemba? Any short dude? Like Kemba anyone would is, whip your ass. He probably would, but I could get land like one. Anyone who's I have four or five inches on, I think I have a chance. I don't How know. How do you think NBA you are? Super- Six feet. You think Kemba's five eight? Yes, Kemba's pretty short. Kemba's six feet tall. Kemba is not six feet tall. He's How tall is Isaiah Thomas? Feet, which means he's six feet now. How Isaiah tall do you is, think Isaiah Thomas is? Isaiah is not six feet. But he would whoop your ass too. Oh, he would absolutely. I'm, I'm saying could. I'm not saying would. I'm saying I have a chance out of anyone in the NBA. It's going to be the smaller guys. Anyone Ooh. anyone else, I don't think there's a chance. I'm trying to think of like who I might actually have a shot against. Probably not many. There's NBA no players who, are NBA players are huge. They're man. huge, and they're quick as hell. That's what makes Kemba and It so notable. Is like normally you walk in the locker rooms and like, oh my god, these are giant individuals, especially with like people like Taco around. And when you so you see someone a little bit shorter than you, they feel real small. And so especially Kemba after came pregame scrum, he's basically whispering. He doesn't feel like he's the most boxing uh, mood right then. That's. That's my answer. I'm, I'm not trying to take it back to New York. And just I'm not trying to say I want to fight it. Kemba Walker. I've gotten myself in a, in a hole. Who right would here. you be most afraid of in the NBA? I think James Johnson's like the most obvious answer just because he's like has fighting experience. But Steven Adams, I don't want, wouldn't want to get in a ballyhoo with him. Uh, trying to think who on the Celtics is just like would absolutely. I think everyone else on the roster would beat the shit out of me. Semi Ojale is like would absolutely. I don't think he has it in his heart, but he would destroy me and break me in half. Could you fight a Zeller brother and live to tell the tale? Oh yeah, I could fight both Zeller brothers and live to tell the tale. It <laughs> <laughs> was there a third Zeller brother that no one really remembers. Yeah, he was a good player at Notre Dame. That's weird that you know that Luke 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 Zeller. Zeller. It's too bad he didn't get any shine in the league. All right, he would have whooped your ass too. <laughs> Bryce Wong asks. Thoughts on Vinny Sex Pants becoming the new savior of Philly? So Vinny Sex Pants was traded to the Philadelphia 76ers day as part of the Al Horford trade. What do you think his impact is? You know, they needed a backup big. It's Dwight Howard. It's Joel Embiid. And it's Vincent Poirier. They they needed uh, another guy to space the court. Another guy to... uh, Space the court? (laughs) Wait till you see stretch five, Vincent Poirier next season. Vinny stretch five pants. Uh man, I don't I don't know if he's gonna do much. We'll I think wrap it up here with Matt Newman's question. What board games do you think you could beat Grant Williams at? I'm the Scrabble champion. I am the Monopoly champion. I am the I'm greatest. Sure, would, risk would every single of member of the King family make like argue that they were the champion of all these games? Yeah. Um, so who is actually like Grant Williams was uh, honest enough to say, yeah, sometimes I've lost to Peyton Pritchard instead of those of Catan. 
he still claimed to be the best, but he had some some modesty. Some he was humble a bit. I'm just guessing every single member of your family is gonna be like, I'm the Scrabble champ. I'm the Monopoly champ. So we'll, like, let's let down the veil, Jay. Like, what is your actual go-to game? I this isn't a board game, but I I could never like I'm not talking about having it. I could never be beaten in pitch. I am an unstoppable pitch player. What is pitch? I've never even heard of pitch. It's a card game. It's kind of complicated. Like I, I'm not even sure I can describe it. Um, but but you're good you, at it. You should go check it out and just know nobody could ever beat me at that shit. All right. The answer I have for what I could beat uh, Grant Williams at is Settlers of Catan and uh, Connect. Did you Four. beat him when you played? No, but it's because I was being targeted by. You uh, can't. You can't say you'd beat him. It's the See, same that, reason that's I, the I, problem I could this, beat him. That's the problem with this bullshit Catan game. Every time I've heard you guys talk about it, someone's saying, yeah, I got beat, but it's because I got targeted. You just got beat, man. Like, Just shut the no, fuck up and take your L. That's the beauty of a good game. If you win, it's because you are strategic and you made all the right decisions, and if you lose, it was all dumb luck. And that's like what any good game design will have is it tricks you into thinking you're smart if you win, and uh, just things broke your way if you lost. So every time I lose Catan, it's because I got bad dice rolls, not because I made bad decisions. And every time I win, it's because I'm the smartest man alive. Also, I'm not saying I'm on Rajon Rondo levels, but I can whoop some ass at Connect Four. Um, pretty good at it. I've connected for my entire life. Sweet. That's, that's my answer to the question. I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm also invincible and sorry. Shoot sorry, have you ever played Parcheesi? Parcheesi said the advanced man, sorry. It's the Indian game of counting. No, I've, I've never never played that. When's the last time you played a board game? It's been a, it's been a minute and a half. I feel like that could be a good thing to pick up for the winter, though. You should. I've Some been playing a, a, a board game called Wingspan. It's all about uh, bird sanctuaries. I think you'd love it, Jay. Yeah, the board game I prefer is Don't Be a Fucking Nerd. <laughs> if anyone wants to talk Wingspan with me, you know where to find me. Uh, the final question I just want to highlight. Uh, so Jay sent out the uh, requests for questions, and Mo Dakil, uh of The Athletic, who's on Basketball Buds with him, was like, Oh, Jay, when are you ever going to have me on? And it was like, it was funny. Jay said, we, uh, you made some bad pun. What'd you say? I, 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 that we have a Mo Ritorium on bad guests. We have a Mo Ritorium. It was a good, it was all right. And then Mo said something about Jay being a bad guest. And I was like, oh, Jay, you're actually are a bad guest because I'm the host of the show. And then uh, Mo responded by saying, Go get him, Marcus. Tell him what's up. And he called me by my fake Twitter name, Marcus the Worm Hicks. And uh, I felt low. I did not feel. He really good. had no clue who you were. Nope. Zero no clue idea. whatsoever. Nope. That, pretty much. Uh, that gave me so much joy. It, it gave was me so much joy. Why do a, you? Why do you have a fake Twitter name? Why don't you just go by your normal name? I don't know. I saw the show when you think you should leave. I think you should leave and thought it was a funny name. And now I just haven't changed it for a while. I probably should. You need to have your own name if you want to get verified. I don't know if I could have, I could go by Jam Packer, but a lot of people have called me Marcus. I've got people in my DMs calling me Marcus. 
Uh, we had a work email the other day where someone called referred to me as Marcus. It's pretty confusing for people, but uh, if a you do call email? me, yeah, we had that whole like exchange where. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so you know what? It it just shows that you really don't know me, but um, it was a real swift kick to the groin when Mo just uh, hit me with that. <laughs> he really called you Marcus, man. Uh, at first, at first, I wondered who the hell he was talking about because I didn't know what your your Twitter handle was or your Twitter name. And then I saw your Twitter name. And, oh man, I lost it. I yeah. lost it. I was feeling all high and mighty, just being like, "I'm the host. I'm the host." And then uh, that happened. So, Jay, you know what? You can be the host. Let's lead us out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Come listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, wherever else. This is the greatest podcast ever. Goodbye. Can't even yell for the people. Anything is potable. (laughs) Goofy. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.